today, I believe what we're supposed to talk about today is uh, the message is called Jesus is Lord. I believe Jesus is Lord. Last week we talked about uh, sin and salvation. Sin is missing the mark. Salvation is all that Jesus did. Um, in fact, did everyone get one of those papers? Did anyone get one of those papers? Pass those out really quickly, could you? Those papers, um, really quickly get those. Did anyone not get one of those papers? We all got it? If you didn't, okay, you all got it. Good. Okay. So um, it's just going to be in a question, answer. You know, if you were raised Catholic and had catechism and, and they put out some information and then they asked some questions and things like that, this is sort of in a, in a question-based, learning-based to where you can actually ask questions. Uh, how many of you know questions aren't bad because all of the answers for the questions are in the Bible? They're in the Word. So we're going to show you the Scripture and then and give you some questions that you might ask uh, to be able to teach you out of that, okay? Um, but today, I believe in that Jesus is Lord. I believe that Jesus is Lord. Let me give you this analogy to uh, start it with. Today, we live post-COVID, or some people wouldn't say it's post-COVID, but we're after this big pandemic, and we see a lot of stores that have shut down. We see a lot of new ownership that's happening in stores. Um, I don't know if you've ever been an employee of a company that has been taken over or has new ownership or has new rules, new branding, new way of doing things. But I've, I've sometimes watched, or a merger of two companies that have come together, and I've sometimes watched the difficulty of those. In fact, there's been business books that have been written about those kinds of things. But you watch people that have uh, been working for a company for a number of years and they got bought out by new owners or they're under new management because of one reason or another. And they'll walk in and they'll, they'll probably under the new management is I'm going to test you out. I'm going to see how you do things. And then they say things like, well, that's not the way we do it. That's not the way it's been done. That's not the way this. That's not the way that. And if they really shared their honest feelings, the new owners would say, we want to be sensitive to you, but we own this company now. We'd love for you to stay, but if you can't get on board, you're going to have to move down the road, right? Because you have new owners. There's a new way of doing things that's because there's new ownership, there's new management. The problem that we have when we get saved is we have the same body, the same mind, the same people working in this system, but a different Lord. We have different management, we have a different owner, a different boss, and we're trying to figure this all out, like, wait, I don't make decisions that way. That's not the way I do things. That's not the way I roll. That's not the way I, I make decisions anymore. And the Lord's telling us to do something, and we're like, ah, that's kind of optional. I don't know if I'm going to do that or not. But the problem is, is God it really expects that when he says, I'm your Savior and Lord. By the way, we confess him as our Savior and our Lord, not just our Savior. As our Savior and our Lord, he really expects that he's going to be our Lord. He's going to be the one who calls the shots now. And so... Um, so today I want to talk about uh, Jesus is Lord. The main point, if there's, I have one point here. The main point is this. You cannot follow Jesus and your own plan at the same time. There's one thing I want you to walk out of here with. It's this. You cannot follow Jesus and your own plan, but I already have my plans. Exactly. You cannot follow Jesus' plan and your plan at the same time. So the roadmap is we're going to talk about two main words, which is Lord and repentance, and then I'm going to touch on baptism before we leave, okay? Roadmap is we're going to talk about Lord and repentance, Lord. Okay, um, Lord, let's talk about that. Look in the book of Acts. In fact, we'll just throw it up on the screen, and I'm going to ask you some questions, and I want you to answer this, okay? Acts chapter 2, verse 36. We're talking about the word Lord. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 36. This was right after the Holy Spirit was poured out over the very first church, and uh, people were amazed. They're like, are these people drunk? And he, Peter's like, it's 9 in the morning. They're not drunk, but they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They're baptized in the Spirit. And this is part of his response back to the people. He says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, who you crucified, both Lord and Savior. What did, Je- what did Peter proclaim about Jesus? That he was what? Both Lord and Savior. That's why we say, that's where we get, you know, where we say, Jesus, you're my Savior and my Lord. And we always like the Savior part, right? What does that mean? It means that I'm not going to hell. What does it also mean? It means you don't call the shots in your life anymore. See, we all like the Savior part, but what about the, in fact, Peter says Lord first. He says, um, you, whom you crucified, he's both uh, Lord and Savior. What does the word Lord mean? Here's what it means. The word Lord means master, supreme in authority, controller, and he to whom a person belongs. The word Lord means the person who calls the shots in your life. Let me ask you the question. Do you call the shots in your life or does God call the shots in your life? That's a rhetorical question. I know by faith we can say it's God. But in reality, a lot of times it's, well, I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I make things happen, right? And maybe could that be why they're not happening sometimes? Or why they happen sometimes and sometimes they don't happen? But he says here, he says you're both Lord and Savior. You know, I'm not a dancer. I don't know if you could tell that. Okay, I'm not, I'm not a dancer. But I, but I remember, uh, you know, at times we, Tiffany and I have been married for a number of years um, and there's times where we've, uh, w- you know, we, we've stood there and sh- we're either playing around or we're going to dance or something, and she's t- trying to teach me how to, you know, how to go, and then I'll step on her foot and she'll be like, ow, and then we'll stop or something, and she'll go, David, and I'll say, okay, I'm just going to stop, you take the lead, and I've realized that when I let her take the lead, I, I can do it a lot better. See, in-, in dancing, I've noticed this, that when both people try to take the lead, what happens? Yeah, they, they start jumping on each other's toes. They start, see, in the, in the reality, a good dance is you have to find out, you have to know the moves, and you have to know who's taking the lead and who's taking the follow. See, with Jesus, you have to know what he asks you to do, but then you have to know who's taking the lead on things. If we're, are you trying to lead the witness? Are you trying to lead Jesus? Are you trying to lead the witness of the Holy Spirit? Are you trying to lead the Lord, or is he leading uh, you? You know, it's like a wild horse. You see a wild horse? Do you know that wild horses have just as much ability to run out there? They have the same ability as a trained one. What's the difference? Lordship. Lordship. A wild horse hasn't been trained. A wild horse doesn't know who's in charge. He hasn't gone to the horse whisperer yet. And so what happens? Because he hasn't, he's wild. And so he doesn't have any uh, uh, monetary value, so to speak. In the military, even in sports, what's the very first thing they do? Is they walk, they walk you in and they shave your head if you're a guy. They take away your clothes. They take out your earrings. They take out all your jewelry. They, they, they basically make you like everybody else. They say, I don't care what you like. I don't, they take away your personality, that which would make you in charge, and what do they do? They say, I'm your mama now. I'm your dad now. And you know what it is? It's safe that way. So that when we get into a vulnerable situation, we can say, what would you like for us to do, sir? And, and first-time obedience, we'll go ahead and we'll step in line. And if you walk out of line, what do you do? You get demoted. 
I know that we say, well, Jesus is my friend. He's my bro. He's my buddy. Yeah, but he's also your Lord. And if we don't know him as our Lord and our Savior, we're going to start stepping on toes, and we're, we're going to be wondering why we don't get promoted in kingdom things. We're going to be wondering why he doesn't use us the way that he wants to use us because we need to get in line with his lordship. Your effectiveness for Jesus will be of little value without surrender. Your effectiveness for Jesus will be of little value without surrender. So what's the main point again? You cannot follow Jesus and follow your own plan. He said Jesus and Christ. By the way, the word Christ is not Jesus' last name. Hey, Mr. Christ. No, it's really the word transliterated Messiah. In the Old Testament, they were looking for the Messiah, which means the anointed one, the one who was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, uh, the very first thing he did was he opened the book to Isaiah chapter 60, and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. What was he saying? He was saying, I am he. I'm the person you've been looking for. I'm Jesus. I'm Christ. Okay. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9. I needed to lay that foundation. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9. It says, therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow of those things in heaven, those things on the earth, and those things under the earth. Does that cover everywhere? He says that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What one day will every tongue in heaven, on earth, and under the earth confess? That Jesus Christ is Lord. What does that mean? Master, controller, supreme. We just do it ahead of time. Okay. Why don't we all just say it today? Jesus Christ is Lord. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6. It says, as you therefore have received Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. What do we do after we receive Jesus as our Lord? What do we do? We follow what he said to do. We walk in him. We're not, as one of my sons would say, you're not bandwagoners. You know what a bandwagoner is in a sports team? It's a person that uh, they find the winning team, and then they go, yeah, I liked them all along. Yeah, I like the Warriors. I knew the Warriors were going to win this year. Yeah. And they're like, no, nah, you were going for the Suns this year. What are you talking about, you know? No, th the whole time we're following what Jesus said to do. Uh, not just say Jesus is Lord, but follow him. Not just say he's the Lord, but follow him. So Jesus says this in Luke chapter 6. I'm going to read this to you. Jesus says, why do you, and this is a good question for us today. Are you with me? Why do you call me Lord, Lord? What's Lord mean? Master, controller, the one who calls the shots. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do? Why do you say but don't do. Why, what am I, a title to you? You say you're my Lord, but then when I tell you to do something, you're like, eh, it's optional. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do the things I say? And then he says this. He tells a little parable. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them. Notice, hears and does. I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock, and when the flood arose... And the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it because it was founded on the, what? On the rock. So what did he do? He heard and he did. But the one who did, heard and did nothing, he didn't follow through, is like the man who built his house on earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently. And immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Let me ask you this. Did they both hear the word? So is hearing the word enough to say, Lord? No. 
Um, did, they, did both houses experience bad weather conditions? So does that mean that Christians will go through some stuff? The stuff will hit the fan, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it'll happen. Okay. But what did the builder whose house fell not do? He didn't follow through with what he heard. He heard he, and he nodded. You ever, had, you ever had someone that they'd tell you what to do and you go, did you catch me? And you go, and then they go, no, did you catch me? What? And then you say, you say, say it back. And they're like, what'd you say? <laughs> they're, just, they're just trying to pacify you. You ever do that to the Lord? The Lord's like, did you hear me? You're like, yeah. What'd you say? I love you. My presence here. No, I said that, but I also said something else. I also said, you know, go do this. Oh, well, I didn't want to do that, so I didn't hear that. It's called selective hearing, selective lordship. So what happens? You lose your foundation. You have a crack in your foundation. You start doing that over and over and over and over again. You start getting cracks in your foundation. And then you wonder when your crack's showing, right? You wonder, and there's all this stuff that's happening to you, and you wonder, I'm falling apart. Well, why are you falling apart? The found, it's all foundational. See, both houses look great until the storms come. That's why people go, well, why is he doing good? And why is she doing good? They don't follow the Lord. Well, maybe the storms haven't hit. See, all things are tested by the storms. All things are tested by the storms. So what do we have to do in order to get a good foundation? We have to follow what the Lord said. We have to follow through. It's not just saying Jesus is Lord. It's following through. What is the result in the story of not obeying Jesus? Come on, tell me. What is the, what is the result of not obeying Jesus? You have a weak foundation if you don't obey Jesus. The main point is you can't follow Jesus in your own plan at the same time. Let's look again at uh, Acts chapter 2, and I want to read another verse after this. It says that Peter said, Assuredly that God has made this Jesus who you crucified, both Lord and Savior. And it says that after he said this, it says when they heard this, the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Oh, that hit them. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What was the response of the people when they heard that? They, well, something hit them in the heart, and they asked, what are we supposed to do about your words? Verse 38, it says, then Peter said, what's the first word Peter said? Repent. Everybody say it with me. Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what did Peter say that you ought to do when you follow the Lord? What's the very first word? Repent. I know it sounds like an old word, but it's a, it's, it's a word in the kingdom that we ought to know. Repent. And he said, what, what would they receive as a result of repenting and getting baptized? What would they receive? The baptism of the Holy Spirit or the gift of the Holy Spirit in their lives. He says, for this promise or the promise is to you, to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord God would call. Who did the... Who did Peter say the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the gift of the Holy Spirit would be promised toward? Both to them, both to their children, and both to, and to who? And to us today. To all who are far off. So, so this is not cessation. He did not cut off the Holy Spirit. By the way, I'd take some notes if I were you. He did not cut off because this refutes a lot of doctrines that are out there. The gift of the Holy Spirit continues today. Continues today. Um, in Acts chapter four, 40, or 2, verse 40, he goes on and he says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. What did Peter say they ought to be saved from? 
perverts. No, from, from this, from a perverted generation. Do you think they just had a perverted generation back then? You think it's as least perverted today? He said, be saved from this perverse generation, from that. Not only coming to Jesus, he's Lord, but be saved from that. Verse 41, and then those who gladly received his word, notice what they did. Those who gladly received the word, they were baptized. And that day, 3,000 souls were added to them. And notice what they did. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. What did those who received the word do? They immediately were what? Come on. It's a partnership. They were baptized. And once they were added to the local body of believers, what did they do? They continued steadfastly. So they didn't say, well, I'm saved now. Now I'm going to go home and it's me and God. No, they continued steadfastly with one another. See, we thought they just waited for 50 days in the upper room to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then the Lord added to the church and then they dispersed all around. No, they continued steadfastly afterwards, after they received the Holy Spirit, in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. So here was, the, here was the, what happened. They repented. They were baptized. They received the Holy Spirit. And then they were added to the church church or to a community of believers. That's still today what our lives should be like. Why do I need to go to church? Because that's what the Lord, he did. He's the one who added to the church. And by the way, the church is his body. The church isn't just some organization. It's his body. Ephesians chapter 1 says it's the fullness of Christ. So don't be mad at the church. The church is Christ. You can't love the head and not love the body. Um. Notice these people had new friends, new fellowship, a new way of life. What's the main point again? You cannot follow Jesus and stick with your own plan at the same time. These people had to forsake what they had. They had a new community. They had new friends. They had new people that they were in all the time. It's not that they never exited into the world. But they had a new uh, group of people that they fellowshiped with and that they got encouragement from on a regular basis. When our lives are changed, we have a new Lord and we have a new family. Second of all, I want to talk about repentance. Can you say the word with me, repentance? Hey, by the way, repentance is a good word. When I first heard the word repent, or when I first remember hearing it, I'm sure it wasn't the first word I heard, it was probably at a concert where I walked outside and there was these people with signs and they had these turn or burn signs and they stood up and they were like, Repent! And they usually were ye- they were usually yelling the word. You know what I mean? Repent! You're going to hell. Repent! The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I thought, is this a John the Baptist play or what? But they're yelling at people. And do you know, in all of the years, usually after a concert, some after Christian concerts, and I'm like, these people are Christian. They're going to Christian concerts. You know, not that all of them were Christians, but they're yelling at them. I don't know if I've ever seen one of them walk up and go, oh, I'm so convicted. And they've kneeled down and, and repented. Because that's sometimes what we get in our head of what repent is, so we just get the word repentance. But repentance is a good word. In fact, let's look at that Mark chapter 1, verse 15. It says, And saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of heaven is at hand, saying, Repent and believe in the gospel. This was Jesus' message. What was Jesus' message? The message of Jesus was that it's time to repent. It's time to believe. This is the message of Jesus. It's time to repent. 
Well, what does the word repent mean? A lot of people, if you ask the word, if you just ask, like, what does repent mean, they may say, well, you'd be sorry for your sin, apologize, turn from uh, going a different direction. No, the word repent is the Greek word uh, metanoia, uh, metanoia. It simply means a change of mind. The word meta is like metamorphosis, like, uh, you know, something changes from one form into another. Noia is the mind. It, it simply means change your mind. In fact, you remember in Romans chapter 12 where it says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's, that is something that's a change of mind. So what is repentance? It's saying you have to change your thinking. Go back to the example of what I said, that if you were working for a company and there's new owners, new branding, new way of thinking, new policies, new way that we do things, new ways, things we say, things we sell, things that we do. It's, you have to go with a new way of thinking. What if you said, I'm going to stick with the old way? You don't, you're not working for him anymore. What if you say, I'm going to live for the Lord, and I'm, and I'm going to call him Lord, but I'm not going to follow him? That's what he was saying. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? You're not going to have a good foundation with the Lord. And so I know that we all want to have a good foundation. So what does he say we need to do? We need to, and somebody just look at your neighbor and say, repent. Come on, just tell him, repent. So let me ask you, how important is the message of repentance? How important, in fact, if you don't repent, if you don't change your mind, you're going to be fighting God every day of your life. God's going to ask you to do stuff, and it's like, oh, this is so difficult. It's so difficult because you still think you're in charge. It's so difficult because you still have your life plan that you put together. It's important to repent and to be able to follow the Lord. Luke 24, uh, so that was the message of Jesus. Repent, have a new way of, of, of thinking. Luke 24, 47. What did the message of Jesus say? Uh, how, what message did Jesus say should be preached to all the nations? It says, and that repentance and remissions of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. What is the message that we should proclaim to people? Repent. We may not even use the word repent because it may be offensive to some people. But we do need to say we need to change our thinking. Somebody? For, how many would say you need to say it to yourself at first, right? Oh, yeah, we need to change our thinking in order to help people to change their thinking. And that message should be preached to all the nations. Acts 26 Verse 19, it says, Therefore, King Agrippa, this is Paul, saying, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first that those in Damascus, in Jerusalem, and throughout the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent. What was the message of Paul? Repentance. What was the message of Jesus? Repentance. Right? How did he say it would he would demonstrate repentance? Look at this. He says that they should repent, turn to God, and do the works befitting repentance. Notice, do the works. But, but I'm not under works. I'm under salvation. I don't believe in works anymore. Well, if you don't believe in works, then you don't believe in lordship. Because Jesus said, uh, you hear me, but you don't do. That's works, right? The things that I say to do. So he says, do the works of repentance. How did they, how did he say they would fully demonstrate repentance? By the works that they follow through. How do you know that you're walking out the plan of the Lord? You're following what God said to do. You're following. Don't walk all your life and say, yeah, I had a calling on my life. Yeah, I had something the Lord told me to do as a child. Yeah, if you are sitting here today and you know that and you're not doing it, 
then he's not your Lord. He said, why do you, call, why do you say I'm Lord, but you don't do? He's your Savior, but he's not your Lord. So what's going to happen? Weak foundation. Weak foundation. Um, who does God call to repent? Well, Acts 17, 30, it says, Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to what? Repent. All men everywhere to repent. What happens to us when we repent? Well, Acts 3.19, it says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Some have been saying, I don't sense the presence of the Lord. I don't sense the refreshing of God upon my life. The presence of the Lord and the refreshing of God upon your life is preceded by repentance. <laughs> I don't want to repent. All right, then stay with the presence of whoever presence you have. Your sins will be gone and God's presence will come. You will experience times of re refreshing. See, what happens is repentance cleans the house. Repentance cleans your heart for God. Repentance gets you to where you're open and you don't have anything but God anymore. Repentance gets you to where you, you're, 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 you're in a desperate situation. Have, have you ever been fasting, and when you're fasting, you're in the middle of a fast, and you're just saying, man, I hear from the Lord better. Why? Because you're not full of steak. So you're hearing from the Lord better. Because you're open, you're repentant, you're, you're, you're opening your heart to the Lord. Well, what happens if you don't repent? What happens if you just say, well... I don't know if I'm willing to do that. What happens if you don't repent? Luke 13, 2, it says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Gentiles were worse sinners than all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. <laughs> I, you know why I smile? Because that's pretty harsh, isn't it? That's like a... Hellfire and brimstone message right there. If you don't repent, you're going to perish. If you don't repent, you're going to have a cracked foundation. Repentance causes refreshing. Repentance brings the presence of God. No repentance means that you're all alone, depressed, discouraged, and perishing. One of the best things I can do when I'm feeling desperate and all alone is to get rid of myself and abandon myself to God. I mentioned the Turner Burn people, and I didn't see anyone repenting because of that. Let me ask you this. How does God get people to repent? How does God get people to repent? Does he throw judgment at them? It says in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Or do you not despise the riches of the goodness of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness, read this with me, the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Say it with me again. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. What will cause people to repent? God's goodness, the love of the Lord. When someone's walking away from God, do you know what I pray for them? I don't say, God, jack them up. God, arrest them. God, throw them in jail. God, give them what they deserve. You know what I say? God, show them your goodness. Like you did me when I was walking away from you. Like you did me when I was disobeying you. 
and your goodness is running after me. Surely goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. When I look back, I see I'm saying, what's chasing me? It's the goodness of God. And what, what does it do? It causes me to repent. It causes me to surrender to the Lord. Not guilt trip of God. Not the judgment of God. Not the manipulation of you. But the goodness of God is what causes people to repent. See, you, you can sometimes, by your judgment and religious spirit, cause people to feel sorry. And you can get a sorry, I feel bad, I feel guilty out of them. But that's not what you want. Because there's the guilt of the world, the sorrow of the world, and there's the guilt and sorrow that comes from the Lord. And the Bible says that the guilt and sorrow that comes from the world produces death. You don't want people just to get on, oh, I feel so bad, I feel so sorry. No, in fact, read the scripture here in 2 Corinthians 7.10. It says, for godly sorrow produces what? Read it with me. For God, did you drop off? Are you still here? For godly sorrow produces repentance, he says. Leading to what? Salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces what? Death. See, godly sorrow causes you to repent and turn to Jesus, turn to hope. But what does the world sorrow do? It leads to hopelessness. It leads to death. It's not just making feel, people feel bad and running them into the ground. No, it's, it's, it's telling them how good God is, the, sh- letting God show his goodness. Verse 11, it says, For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. This is God, godly sorrow. You sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourselves. What indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, zeal, vindication, and all these things. It proved yourself to be clear in this matter. Let me ask you, what does godly sorrow produce in a person? Godly sorrow produces diligence. It produces the clearing of oneself. It produces the desire. It produces zeal, not death. Like healthy fear amps you up to face danger in a situation situation. Godly sorrow stirs you up to reject the world and to serve God. So what do you need to pray? We need to pray that godly sorrow, even over our own lives, that godly sorrow, even over our own lives, that the goodness of God. I'll tell you what makes me, I want to serve God with all of my heart more than I ever have right now in my life. But do you know why? Because God keeps showing me his goodness. The more that I see that God is good, the more that I experience the presence of God, the more that I, not the, not the things the world could offer, but the more that I experience the goodness of God, the more I want to serve him. The more I want to turn from my own plans and my own way and turn to his, and it's the same with you. So what should you do about sin when sin's in your life? Well, Proverbs 28, 13 says this. Read this with me. He who covers his sin will not prosper. Let me say that again. He who covers his sin will not prosper. Say it again. He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. If you're in the middle of sin, if you're in the middle of an affair, an emotional affair, if you're in the middle of an addiction, if you're in the middle of impropriety, if you're in the middle of compromise, if you're in the middle of something that you're not obeying the Lord in, and you know the Lord's stirring your heart in, the Bible says this, that you need to confess and forsake it and repent. Change your thinking. Know that God's plan for your life is to help you not to keep the good away from you, but to bring all the goodness of God toward your life. Let me talk about, as we finish here, baptism. 
We talked about baptism a little bit, but I want to talk about baptism because we're laying some foundations, baptism. You know, for those who are going to the Israel trip, we're going to Israel in November. I think there's about 28 of us that are going from here, so we're going to join a group of about 100 or so. Um, But uh, when you go to Israel in ancient times, they had these ritual baths. And you'd go into a, a, a place that's a holy place, and they have ritual baths, and it's for ceremonial cleansing. What is it for? It's to get all the dirt off. It's to get the world, the contamination of the world off, so that when you go into a holy place, it's an it's a external cleansing that represents internal cleansing. Water baptism symbolizes a cleansing that takes place when we become followers of Jesus, a cleansing of, of the past, a repentance of the past. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, we know it. It says, go therefore make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this. What happened to those who accepted Peter's message? And we, we already read this, but I just want to, this will be an easy answer. Uh, it says that Peter in Acts 2.41, those who gladly received the word were baptized. The very first thing when, pe- when they said, what's happening with this people, people that the Spirit has poured out on them, the Bible says those that received the word immediately, the very first thing they did, they were baptized. They were baptized. Uh, what did the people do when they believed Philip's message? You look in Acts chapter 8, verse 12. It says, when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were, come on, say it with me, were baptized. After hearing the good news, what did the Ethiopian eunuch do? Well, in Acts chapter 8, verse 35, it says, When Philip opened his mouth and beginning the scripture, he preached Jesus to them. And as they went down the road, they came down to some water. And notice, he didn't encourage them to get baptized. The eunuch said, hey, here's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? The very first thing he wanted to do was, I want to get all this old off me. And I want to get something fresh on my life. See, the new, and also the New Testament uses, I believe, four different, but it uses different illustrations of what baptism, to help us understand the significance of baptism. But I'm going to give you two. One is burial and resurrection. Burial and resurrection. It's like you bury a body, but then a body being resurrection, re- resurrected. It says in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism and death. That's what baptism is. Our old man goes under. You might say, why are you teaching me this? I already know this. So that you can teach someone else. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm going over these scriptures. So that you can teach someone else. So that when people say, why do you get baptized? You don't go, I don't know. You can pull this out and you can say, here's, here's why we get baptized. I want you to teach this to someone else. Okay? It says, we were buried with him through baptism unto death. And that just as Christ was raised from the dead, the glory of the Father, so even we should walk in the newness of life. So there's burial and resurrection. The second uh, big example that he gives is Israel and the crossing of the Red Sea, Israel and the crossing of the Red Sea. Uh, Israel was the children of Israel, 12 tribes of Israel. Remember that they were in bondage to what country? What people? Egypt, to Egypt. And Egypt was their Lord. Egypt was their master. Pharaoh was their Lord. Um, But then uh, Moses came and said, let my people go. And they had to exit. uh, They had to exit Egypt. They had to go through the crossing of the Red Sea. And then they went into Canaan eventually after. But I want you to read this uh, verse here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. It says, moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under a cloud, all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. See, the Israelites passing through the Red Sea was a picture of baptism for us. Uh, why, was, why were they fleeing from the Egyptians? Because they were in bondage. They were in oppression. When you leave sin, what does sin do? 
Sin is bondage to you. Sin is not to make you have a party and have fun and smoke weed and have sex and enjoy life. No, it's bondage. It's something that holds you back from the plan of God to your, of your life. And so what happens? They were in bondage. The Egyptians would signify sin in our lives. It would be an example of sin in our lives. So what were they fleeing from? They were fleeing from the Egyptians because they were slaves to the Egyptians, just like we are slaves of sin. They were freed from bondage and oppression through the cross. Um, I want you to notice what they went through, by the way. They passed through the Red Sea. What do we pass through? The blood of Jesus. The Red Sea of the blood of Jesus. We pass through the blood of Jesus. By the way, what happened after we passed through the blood of Jesus and then the enemy tried to pass through that, what happened to all the enemy? How many of them? The Bible says all of them. Every one of them were destroyed and died in the Red Sea. What does that signify? In the blood of Jesus, on the cross, every one of our sins are paid for Every single one of our, of our bondages and sins and things that used to hold us and strap us down were taken care of. Why is baptism important? Baptism is important because it signifies that the old is gone. We're repentant. Now Jesus is our Lord and the Savior of our lives. Nate, could you come up and play? The main point again today is that we can't follow Jesus in our own plan. I want you to bow your heads right now, right where you are. Would you open up your heart, open up even your hands if you'd like to? And I want you to check your own heart before we leave here. Would you say, Jesus, I confess you as my Savior today. Jesus, I believe that you took my sin. I believe you died on the cross for my salvation. And Jesus, I confess you as the Lord of my life. You're my master. You're my controller. You take the lead. I follow you. <laughs> and if there's anything personally, just between you and God, if there's anything that comes to your heart that you're not following the Lord in, would you repent? <laughs> would you repent? Would you say, Lord, I repent. Change my, change my thinking. Renew my mind to the Word of God. Help me to think the way that you think, I pray. Help me to see things the way that you see things, I pray. Lord, I repent of fighting for control of my life. Can we do that right now? Lord, I repent of fighting for the control. I have my life plan. <laughs> but how does that how does that play out in line of eternity? Jesus said, do not lay up for yourself treasures here on earth but lay up treasures in heaven. Lord, we have a new life now. So we come today. We repent of our own plans and our own ways and we change our thinkings and, and tell you today, Jesus, I will follow you. Say it with me, Jesus. If you, if, if you really mean it, Jesus, I will follow you. Jesus, I will follow you. Jesus, I will follow you. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.